1: Hi, this is
2: Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm
3: Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah.
0: Hi, this is Tracy Collins from Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the Western and Southern Open, and from the tennis club that is home of rising WTA star Katie McNally. And you're listening to the best tennis podcast, The Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
2: Hello, folks, and welcome to the Tennis Podcast and Cobra Kai Appreciation Podcast. I say that to placate the many droves of people that have contacted me over the course of the past week to inform me that I simply must be watching Cobra Kai. And how dare I even deign to consider not watching Cobra Kai? Um Yeah, several people were, quote, moved to contact the podcast for the first time uh, <laughs> to let me know. <laughs> to let me know uh, that I've been making the wrong television television choices in my life up to this point, so uh, we'll be rectifying that. I, I've put it on my my list officially, and I will be watching Cobra Kai at some point in the future.
4: So it's only on a list uh, then? you haven't actually bothered. It's
2: on a list. It, I've had a busy week, David. It's it's on the list. Right. It's on the list. Uh, thank you to Tracy Collins uh, that you heard there in our intro. Uh, more of Katie McNally later, Tracy, because she's she's one of the many people this week that has done a thing, Matt.
3: Yeah, she sure is. Yes.
2: What's
4: she done? <laughs>
2: <laughs> David's read the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> she's won a doubles title with Coco Goff. Oh. Coco Goff. I mean, this wasn't supposed to come till this was a, a couple of agenda points down the list, but Coco Goff has become the youngest player since Maria Sharapova in 2004 to do a singles doubles double and I that is for me the most unexpected stat of the week because I was fully expecting 17 year old Coco Goff to a be the youngest player ever to do that and b I definitely wasn't expecting the youngest to be Maria Sharapova albeit in 2004 but you know, when did Maria Sharapova ever play doubles?
3: Was that the peak of her doubles career? I have a feeling it was. I don't think she did anything I think it might have that. been
2: it. Mm. I think it might have been one one title and done. Um, but anyway, yes, it, Katie McNally was uh, partnering Coco Golf en route to her doubles title in Parma. So that's the thing that she's done. But it's been a busy week in tennis. Many people have done many things. Um, how have we enjoyed the week in tennis, Matt?
3: Yeah, it's been decent. It's been bitty. Lots of tournaments here and there, I think, elevated by some big names playing them and sort of trying to hone their preparation for Roland Garros, some more successfully than others, which has been interesting to follow. And I think the title winners we've got are all quite interesting. I think one of them Mm. is a big contender. At Roland Garros in Tsitsipas who's won a title this week, and the others, I would all say, could be dangerous. Would ex- would expect mm. to have a deep run. So I think it's it's interesting from you know looking ahead to Roland Garros as as inevitably I find myself doing in weeks like this ahead of us all,
2: all the other titleists in the are in the players nobody wants to meet exactly category. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely an interesting week in tennis. It's Suzanne Longland's birthday today, by the way. Um, which is my way of saying, if you haven't listened to the Suzanne Longland podcast, the first of our two uh, French Open relived episodes for this year's French Open, uh, do do listen to it. We encourage that. We um, we put a lot into it, particularly Matt. And um, yeah, we've had a great response to it from those that have listened. And I, I feel quite confident that if you have an hour and a half to spare, you won't regret the hour and a half spent on learning about the quite wonderful... Susanne Longlen and her love of sparkle. Mm. It, it
4: very much makes me look forward to watching the documentary that I believe is planned for the future, mm. which is executive produced, I think, by Martina Um And it's, I think that focuses on the match of the century between Longlen and Helen Wiltz. Mm. And so I'm not exactly sure when that's coming out, but I remember reading about that, Shortly after, I mean, we we actually decided we were we were going to do a, a Longland, Relingaros relived podcast before we read about that, I believe. And no
2: one will believe that. that well, no, David. you know,
4: I'm. <laughs> don't call me a liar, people. All right, I don't. I speak the truth, as uh, Superman once said. I never lie, Lois. Oh my. I never lie. Um, anyway. There's another little tangent I wasn't expecting, <laughs> but um, yes, uh, John Wertham, I think as well is 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 helping to script and research that that uh, documentary. So yeah, I, I and I, I believe they've got some footage that has never been seen for it. So that's the only thing I. La- I mean, what I loved about it was going off the back of of recording that show and reading all of Matt's research was actually then looking up all the photography that is out there f- for us to try to promote that show and s- seeing these images this, there's a- mm. there is actually a lot out there that I didn't realize and it's um mm. yeah you just somebody lose
2: yourself, I, i'm I'm, it? I'm i'm sorry that I can't remember who it was but somebody um tweeted us uh, a link to some restored footage of her that I hadn't seen before and that was that was a joy to watch so there there are snippets out there mm. um but alas, alas, not as much as we would like.
3: Fans of Engelman, who we quoted a lot on, on the Longlem podcast, should know that this documentary that's coming out is titled The Goddess and the American Girl, which is what his book is called. So I imagine oh. that that book is probably forming a lot of the oh. basis for the research and the shaping of that documentary as well. So it should be great. And I think they're going to put some of that footage in colour, aren't they, as well?
4: Yes.
2: mm. mm. I, I love it. I love it when they do that. Um, right then. Busy week. So we will get into it. Oh, actually one thing. Due to an admin error this week, Rosie <laughs> is our unexpected mascot. Uh, I, I, you know know. Rosie. You already know plenty about Rosie. She I'll tell a bit you more at the end of the show. Uh, she needed a boost. She's been an excellent big sister this week. And um, a clerical error is given the opportunity to bask in some in some golden glow. So hello, Rosie. Um, right then, into tennis news. Should we start with Roger Federer's return to, well, not just clay, but return to tennis? Uh, it feels quite a long time ago now that this happened because it was one and done for Roger Federer. He lost on Tuesday in his first match of the Geneva Open in three sets to pablo and Duhar. probably the best thing about this match was that matt and i got to watch it in person together in the sunshine brackets on a very very small device (laughs) uh on which we could barely see the ball um but watch it we did matt it was glorious wasn't it
3: it was yeah it was a real real boost to my spirits to be able to have that day with you on tuesday and uh Watching Federer was a bonus. I made my return to tennis on the same day as Federer. And uh, yes. and we both lost.
2: The the backhand is still there, folks.
3: And nothing else. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not not true. Not true. There were, there were very strong reviews. Strong reviews for Matt's, <laughs> Matt's albeit rusty tennis, but the, the skills are very much there. Um, so, Roger Federer, what did we think? Where's he at? I mean, we, we'd love to have more more information on which to make an assessment of where he's at i mean we know we know this spell on clay isn't about winning the french open don't we it's about playing some tennis getting his eye in maybe having a what could be a farewell trip to roland garros who knows um so it's not like oh my gosh he's he's not got the preparation he needs for a a a, a, a tilt at the french open title And yet still, it's not ideal for him to have lost his first match against Pablo Anderhal. He even
4: said that, didn't he, afterwards? He even said, look, this is all about Wimbledon for me, getting ready. And this is part of the preparation for that and getting my eye in. I can't tell you anything about how the match went because I was in a day (laughs) full of meetings. So over to you, folks.
3: (laughs) I felt he was fine. From what I saw, I thought he was moving pretty well. And his fitness certainly seemed to be better than what it was in Doha. Now he lost the last four games of the match. He put himself in a winning position and then really blew it at the end. And I think he was disappointed with himself for letting it slip. But it didn't feel like he lost it because of fitness reasons. His his game just sort of suddenly deserted him a little bit.
2: He had a sort of re- reverse surge, didn't he? Mm. An anti-Osaka. Yes.
3: <laughs> and Doha made some great returns and suddenly the match was was over. I think probably just lacking a little bit of max sharpness. I think he was a little unsure how he wanted to play. In that, in that first set, he was standing up, chipping the returns. And in, then in the second and third sets, he was you know standing way back behind the baseline to return, sort of Nadal style. And I think I think that worked better for him. But there was just a little bit of uncertainty, perhaps. But the way I view it is that Federer's best grass court seasons, with the exception of 2017, have come off the back of clay. I really do think playing on clay helps his tennis on the grass. He's spoken about that. Gets him the rhythm on his ground strokes in particular. So I think as much as we might like to view this little period on clay as completely pressure free for Federer, I think there is some pressure on him now at Roland Garros to win some matches to get him ready for the grass. I think if he'd had a run in Geneva, he could have been completely uninhibited at Roland Garros and just gone there swung away doesn't really matter what happens i think what the early loss in geneva does is means that in order to prepare best for wimbledon he probably needs a couple of wins at least at roland garros so it just slightly puts the pressure on next week for him to get those based on his tennis i think he probably will i think there were lots of positive signs but you know he needs wins. He needs confidence. He needs some level because Wimbledon is extremely close, and Federer has barely played any tennis. And if he's going to compete there, I think he needs a little bit more than what he's got at the moment.
4: I'd also think he needs physically to just get used to match play again mm. because you become hardened to it, don't you, when you're playing these these matches? And if you get early round losses, I mean, you can play your way into a Grand Slam. We've we've seen him win a grand slam but he still if you think even back to the Australian Open he still required a couple of quite hard-fought first couple of matches before he suddenly hit his stride and um and yeah I, I agree with you I think he he'll be looking to try to just get some sets under the belt really um uh, the French Open and there are certain players that probably will fit him I mi- I must admit when he drew Pablo Anderjar I thought that's that's a good draw really for Federer Anderjar hasn't won a lot of matches this year. But, you know, he, he he didn't get over the line. So it can become quite bitty when you're trying to get back into it.
2: Mm. I've just realised, uh, courtesy of Matt, that I've been pronouncing Andujar's name wrong for the entirety of his career, which is a very long time. So it's Andujar, not Andujar, Matt. That's how you were saying it, and you're a Spanish speaker, <laughs> so I can
3: only assume. I think it's Andujar.
2: Hmm.
3: There's no accent okay. on the A. I,
2: I don't believe so.
3: Therefore, okay. it
4: would be Andujar.
2: Right. David's making... Are you actually making a note of that, David? I'm
4: actually having a look on the ATP website immediately <laughs> <Right>. to find <laughs> okay. out whether he's done one of those recordings. <laughs> um,
2: so Federer goes out of Geneva in the first round to Andujar. Uh, he he's didn't done go one. On Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Pablo Andujar. I feel like I've made a very uncomfortable bed for myself to lie in with uh, with picking up on that. Um, but yes, now we know where we are. Um, <laughs> Can't say it still, but... So, <laughs> so, so Federer goes out in his first match to Pablo Andujar. No?
3: Andujar.
2: Andujar. Yeah. Uh, who does not go on to win the title because Casper Ruud the most sort of bankable, consistent man in, in men's tennis at the moment did win the title, of course. Uh, he beat Denis Shapovalov in the final 7-6, 6-4. Uh, Shapovalov, incidentally, after that final, uh, announced that he's out of Roland Garros. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, first Kasparud, who who brought home my first bacon for a very long time in the uh, in the annual predictions competition, and honestly i went i went for casper Rude. he was the he was the favorite for the title so it didn't bring home much bake, bacon but i just wanted i just wanted a banker and there was never really a moment in the week that i i doubted him because this is what casper Rude, Rude does now he shows up doesn't he mm. shows up and does the business and david i know you watched Quite a bit of the final against Denis Shapovalov. In fact, I know that you you came into that final after the first set and saw that saw that it was won by Casper Ruud on the tiebreak, and your action was looks about right. Yeah,
4: that's pretty much what Talk I. me through that. That's what I would have expected based on the two players that I know them to be thus far in their career. As you say, Casper turns up, clocks in, plays, and if you if you're too good for him he will lose. Mm. And it's it was up to Shapovalov to string together an incredible series of, of winners because he is a, a dice roller, isn't he? He's a casino tennis player. And it's it's glorious to watch. And actually, fair play. He got to the final, so good week for him. But how often are you going to be able to produce that against a guy like him, who you've just got to keep hitting winner after winner against on clay? And, yeah, I thought, that sounds to me, I, I didn't watch the first set, it sounds to me like he's played well, he's pushed him, and he hasn't quite hit enough winners. And uh, and then second set I did watch, and Rude was just, just too strong for him. It was drama-free, really.
2: Mm. Mm. And then we have this slightly... Bizarre and very unexpected statement from from Shapovalov after the, or quite a long time after, after the match, um, saying that, you know, with a very heavy heart, he's not going to be able to play Roland Garros. He says it's because of the shoulder injury that's been niggling at him for a long time. And he says he needs rest, but he also says that the medical tests are are fine. Um, so it, it's difficult to know where he's at, whether it's just a kind of, oh, it, it doesn't feel quite right and I just want to rest it or whether there's a specific injury I, I, I really don't know what to make of Denis Shapovalov's withdrawal from Roland Garros whether this is whether this is a niggle that's got in his head um, I just I don't know but I certainly wasn't expecting that
4: I, I would have thought it must be sufficiently acute because he's been playing most weeks hasn't he it's not like he's Let us know Mm, he's had a a problem that has stopped him playing. So something acute, I think, must have happened or at least flared up from whatever his ongoing problem had been. But I think Matt made the point that maybe what he means medical tests are fine is that it's not something that is going to derail him long term.
2: Right. Right. Thank you for being my Shapovalov interpreter. That
3: was my only interpretation of it. And I really hope... I really hope it isn't something long-term. As, yeah. as you said, he has been playing with it for quite a while, it seems. Um, but I agree with David. Something presumably has happened for him to pull out a week ahead of Roland Garros where mm. you would think you would try to do everything to be ready for a for a grand slam. You'd think it'd be more likely he would have pulled out of Geneva last minute. So it suggests maybe something, something has happened. He's tweaked it more or something. I don't know, but I hope he's all right
2: gives in time to focus on Midnight Life his new music dropping i think it might have dropped we just might have missed the drop i believe there's three three new tracks uh, parental advisory <laughs> explicit content for anybody heading to check out Midnight Life it is out now sorry it is out now <laughs> chapeau midnight life very sort of pensive uh, black and white arty photo of him on the uh, on the sleeve
4: Catherine, I've got an injury at the moment that hurts when I laugh. So We're not meant to make David laugh.
2: (laughs) No, So we are not sponsored by Denis Shapovalov's music career, I should say. I don't know why I'm giving him so much (laughs) promo. Um, uh, But there it is. Uh, Before we move on from uh, Geneva to the many other uh, tournaments that we had taking place last week, um, one other bit of business from there is that we obviously had pre-tournament press with Roger Federer, first opportunity for the press to speak to him in quite some time, because he's not played since Doha, um, and he was quizzed by Ben Rothenberg, who who obviously did uh, did the story a story with uh, Olya Sharipova, um, who has obviously accused um, Alexander Zverev of domestic abuse. He did that story with her in in Racket Magazine. He quizzed Roger Federer about a teammate, his uh, management company in which he's a a part owner, um, ceasing to work with Zverev um, at the start of of this year. Um, And these are the things that Roger Federer had to say um, about what happened there and what his thoughts on it all are. He said... These are decisions that Tony takes and the team. Look, Sasha is a great guy. I'm really happy for him when he does well, but I don't get involved in those types of decisions, to be honest. I feel like if I get asked, I get asked. But otherwise, for me, this is something that's in the past now. And I think for Sasha, it's important to have his team and be comfortable with his team. Um, And then he sort of goes on to just sort of distance himself from the decision, he says, I think that's that's what I've heard is that Sasha also wanted, uh, there was an urge for him to have a fresh start and I think for Tony and the team as well. I'm not sure, but I'm happy when Sasha does well and all of the allegations, that's super private stuff that I don't want to comment on. Uh, and then he's asked um, a follow-up about whether the ATP should do anything to try and investigate or have a policy about domestic violence as lots of other major sporting leagues do and he queried that he said other leagues do and uh, Ben responded yes certainly a lot of other big American leagues do. Federer replied we're independent contractors I guess so it's maybe more complicated than others oof I don't know I feel like this is something very personal Um, goes into a bit further detail about that and then he goes on to say I don't know that I want to talk about it, to be honest. I don't want to bring this subject up. I feel like I want Sasha to focus on his tennis. Who am I now, months later, to comment on it? I understand that, Ben, you want to write something about it, but you understand, me too, that I don't feel super comfortable talking about it. Um, I was hugely disappointed when I read those comments from from Roger Federer. My, my heart really sank. I wasn't expecting him to say anything that really stood up for 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 a viewpoint on it all but I was expecting him to have better prepared an answer than that to just sort of awkwardly say I'm not comfortable talking about it that none of us are comfortable talking about this we'd far rather be talking about something more joyful this does not make us feel comfortable some things in life are uncomfortable um, and the fact that he didn't say domestic abuse is wrong and horrible. I mean, that is the least controversial thing you could possibly say. I mean, you are not. I understand he's always somebody that's tiptoed around controversy. It is not controversial to say I condemn domestic abuse is so basic and so few people are saying it when they're asked about this matter. And that is distressing.
4: Hmm. And he could have said that while still acknowledging in the same answer what Alexander Zvereva said all along, that he denies the allegations. He could still have said exactly what you just said there, that he condemns any form of domestic violence or abuse. Now, I suspect that he, he would say, well, that goes without saying, of course I condemn it. Now, and I'm sure he does. I'm sure that is how he... Of course, that's how he feels. But there is a value in saying it. And I think the biggest surprise to me is, is as you've said, that he he sounded as though he was taken aback by the questions. And um, I'm trying to work out why that would be. Because he, he hasn't been questioned about it before. A long time has gone past since those allegations were were first raised and and really he should have had a very clear understanding of if i get asked this this is what i'm going to say i i wonder whether maybe he just thought so much time has gone past nobody will bother asking me now and and kind of put it to the back of his mind but um it did surprise me that
3: yeah same i was really shocked by how caught off guard he was i think This incident, what it's done is it's shone a light on the fact that tennis doesn't have a way of dealing with these allegations. And Federer's response there in that question, I think he probably is representative of how a lot of people in in tennis feel. They're uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about it. They don't know how to talk about it. And therefore, nothing gets done about it. If he if he'd given it some more thought and shown that he really cared about it by knowing what to say, I'm sure he would arrive at the right conclusion and the right thing to say. But the fact that he hadn't thought about it was just really disappointing.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not uh, not a highlight of the week, I think, for any of us reading those comments.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
4: Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking.
2: So, while Casper Rood was winning the title in Geneva in Parma, we had a second career title for 17-year-old Coco Gough, her first on clay. Um, and, of course, she won the doubles as well with with Katie McNally. Um, and we've, we've, we've told you that she's the youngest to do that since Sharapova in 2004. She beat uh, Chong Wong in the final 6-1, 6-3. She only lost one set all week. And she said... After the win, I like the dirt now. And of course, she was junior Roland Garros champion way back in 2018. Uh, and I think f- for the rest of uh, the tennis world, probably the biggest thing to come of the week is that she's now up to a qu- career high ranking of 25 and will be seeded at a grand slam for the first time a Roland Garros. And I think. Every seeded player breathes a sigh of relief that Coco Goff isn't hanging around unseeded anymore.
4: Yeah, it was uh, it was really something actually watching Coco Goff last week off the back of what has felt like a building process to this. Last year at times she looked a little bit rudderless, a little bit as though Oh, it was all going so well, and now I'm hitting all these double faults, and I and I'm not, you know, she her, her body language was still good. I don't think there's any panic in her, but I think that it was a, it was a little jarring to see that uh, that that it wasn't happening for her in in a sort of straight line upwards almost, and uh, and and I think that actually if you think about it, it's rare that you get that straight line. You get these undulations. Suddenly, this year it's looked different this last two months. And, and she's had some results. She hasn't been winning everything she's played, but she's had some notice, notable results or c- closely pushed somebody really, really good on clay. And she's just, I mean, she's 17 years of age. She looks bigger and stronger and more athletic every time you see her because she's growing and, and getting older and more mature. And and as a tennis player too, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 where we end up with Coco Goff is is one of the great fascinations of the next 10 years because watching her progress and actually not knowing because to me the potential is off the scale high and yet you don't know what might come in between all that along the way and I, I, I love the storyline and she's she's so watchable. Um, and and i I love her i love her body language i love her demeanor i love how much she loves playing and loves the sport
3: Mm. yeah absolutely and i think that seeding position now is is really significant as you said for her it will help her in those draws for the rest of the field they you know those seeds avoid golf but it's also what it represents which is a, a jump a significant jump at a time where it's difficult to make jumps. Anyone who is going from outsided seated positions to inside seated positions at the moment is doing really, really well. And she's been building up to these last couple of weeks she's had all season. I was having a look. She's won twenty three main draw matches in twenty twenty one, which is more than she won in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty put together.
4: Wow. Yeah, that's how it feels. Yeah, then they often haven't been kind of headline grabbing wins. Exactly,
3: they've been mm. out of the spotlight. But she's just been putting in the work, getting the results. And as you said, her game is is improved. She's she was so mature, so clinical all week. I thought that. I mean that, and that forehand, which can occasionally look a little bit um, fallible on other, on, on other surfaces, the way it loops. It seems to really work on the clay and Mm. she's developed a drop shot. I watched her play Anissimova. She beat her in straight sets and, you know, they're two promising young players. And yet Goff just, Goff had a, a tennis IQ that looked like it was above. She just knew when to hit the drop shots, knew how to get Anissimova moving around that court. And she was, she was really, really impressive and great to watch. And, um, I very much enjoyed in her in her victory speech where she said it was the first of many, and Jessica Bagula on Twitter pointed out you've already won one. is it your second
2: <laughs> did she did she genuinely i don't know did she mean on clay maybe perhaps? she meant on
3: clay maybe she meant with her i don't know whether she's got some new people in her team or something she was thanking them um but yeah, this is a second title. I suppose Lin- twenty
2: nineteen for for a seventeen year old probably feels like you know a different lifetime. <laughs> it's also <laughs> yes. BP
4: before pandemic. Um, oh,
2: that's 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 new, well, David. Just thought of it. <laughs>
4: what can I say? Oh, by um, the way, uh, always- just the the opponent she beat in the final, Wang Chung. Who is coached by Pat Cash? I mean that she had had a terrible time results-wise so far this year. She had barely won a match, um, and I know I know Cash had been trying to work with her on different things, etc. Um, and then suddenly she's had a run to the final. On on a, I don't think of her as a clay court player. I don't I don't really know what her history is on the surface, but. Yeah, I, I'm always just interested in in a in a fork in the road, a moment where these players just suddenly it, it clicks and they start getting some form again. You know. Mm. Mm. Speaking
3: of rankings, I mentioned Jessica Pagula there. Very significant week for Goff in terms of Olympic Olympic qualification. She's sitting in that fourth spot for the US now, and it would mean I think Pagula, Keys, or Risk. Will likely need a run to the fourth round at Roland Garros Gosh. to overtake her, because the the Olympic cutoff is immediately after Roland Garros. So whatever your ranking is then, that's the one that's used for Olympic qualification. So she's in. She's put herself in a great spot to make the Olympic US team. I mean, amazing.
2: Mm, that's uh, yeah. I like I like the race for Olympic spots. That excites me. Um, final bit on. Palmer, which is the curse of David Law, struck again God, yeah. this week. Who did you curse this week, well, David? Just
4: to take you back a week ago, uh, riding high on the excitement of actually getting one right and getting loads of points for Sabalenka. I just went for this Hail Mary on Jennifer Brady to win in Rome and she didn't even get on the court. She just got injured before, before her first round match and didn't play. Uh, so next week I go for but uh, No, it wasn't Palabido. So I'm looking at the wrong one. If, so if you had gone for
2: Palabido,
4: that <laughs> would have gone well. Yes, it would have done. Why didn't I do that? Anyway, I went for Sara Cerebes Tormo, who was uh, playing in Parma. Thankfully, uh, got that bit right, and she played Sara Irani. And and I was I tuned in for the first ball. In t- and and two hours ten minutes later, they they were still in the second set, and I was still watching. Um, and Cerebes Tormo, what I didn't check, probably should have done, is that Cerebes Tormo had his, had a love for record against Irani, so that that wasn't the most. But then she got one set all, and you know, and then at two games all, third set, Cerebes Tormo also pulls out injured. So I'm sure it's worse for her being injured than me, although I'm also injured. Maybe, I mean, maybe there's a relation there. Anyway, but obviously I've now had two in a row where I've ended up pointless. Mm.
2: Sign up to the newsletter to find out who David will curse this week. Uh, the Jennifer Brady curse, incidentally, David, uh, rather more severe than we even thought because she's she's split up with her coach, Michael Um All right. Um, who...
4: That's a surprise, isn't it? Big yeah, surprise. it's a big su-
2: I mean, look, her results recently haven't, been great I don't understand why she hasn't been playing better on clay and has never played better on clay and I'm reluctant to sort of attribute all of her success to a coach particularly a male coach I just don't like that just makes me a bit uncomfortable to do that but you can't deny the correlation between her total transformation of her career and her her teaming up with Michael Gesser and spending that time training training in Germany with him I mean it's yeah, those two things are inextricably linked. So I do, I I worry for a little that that does that does raise eyebrows for me.
4: I mean, it is only two months since she was in the Australian Open final, but it would. I don't know why she split from him. I mean, I wonder whether there's a logistical element because of the locations. Mm. I, I don't know, um, but yeah, it will be interesting to watch um, where she yeah. goes from here. Because I I also wonder how she will play with pressure in in a way of of mm. people now aware of how good she is and can be and um you know whether whether she'll be able to continue it mm.
2: um, in just just on sara rani by the way she was she's just trudged off off my screen she was she's playing in french open collies former finalist in french open collies uh, she was about to win against uh, sasha vickery uh, but they've been rained off. So they're obviously having the same deeply depressing May in Paris that we've been having in the UK. Uh, summer appears to be not a thing <laughs> uh, at the moment, not imminently anyway. So fingers crossed um, the weather picks up a bit because there's a very much an October vibe about uh, the French Open at the moment from what we can see on our screens. Um you mentioned Paula Badosa, David. So should we head to Belgrade? Because Paula Badosa won her first singles title there this week. She, well, she was up against Anna Konya in the final and desperately sad to say Konya had to retire um, in the second set of that with a right hip injury, which is a new one, I think, for Konya. She's had so many different injuries that have plagued her career. So I, I don't know whether it's Better that it's not a recurrence of a previous injury or or worse, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's nonetheless a great week for Paola Bedos, who's someone else that's just showing up, you know, clocking in. Uh, she's reached the semi-final of her last three events. She was a semi-finalist, of course, in Madrid, her home event. First Spanish woman ever to get that far. Uh, she's inside the top 40 now, but not seeded. At Roland Garros and I'd say she's near the top of the list if not top of players that seeds don't want to be drawn against there.
4: Yeah she's good isn't she and and I, I sense a self-belief that hasn't been there in the past that some players just have some results or feel fitter and start to feel like they belong and that's how she comes across to me now.
2: Yeah I, I saw quite a lot of her in Madrid, she, she she had one really big win there. Like I, I, she lost to Ash Barty quite handily in the semi-finals. Um, but she wasn't the player I thought she was. She was a a far bigger hitter.
4: Yeah, that's that's than I realised. Well. Yeah, um, because I mean there are sort of physical stature similarities to Sharapova, which I'd never even thought of before. Just in terms of of the way she she's. I mean. Of, aside from the the, the hair and etc but just the she, the way she sort of crowds a court and tries to she's trying to take you out with shots um rather than just rally um I, maybe the i think i think Barty exposed some limitations and that's hardly surprising it, you'd have to be almost the perfect player not to be exposed by in some way by by Ash Barty but yeah it's just um it's it's that self belief that strikes me
2: Mm. It was Bencic, by the way, that she uh, she beat in Madrid. She beat Krzykova, Sevastova, Bencic. Uh, she, of course, beat Barty in uh, in Charleston before Barty got her revenge in Madrid. So she's just, yeah, she's just creeping up those rankings. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to see who she draws uh, in the first round in Paris. When is the French Open draw, Matt? Is it the, 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 the Sunday start, it throws me. <laughs> Um,
3: I think it's Thursday evening.
2: Okay, Hmm. Thursday evening. Thursday evening for the draw. And then, of course, we'll have a French Open preview for you. And then we're into daily podcasts. Uh, And we've got one more French Open relived for you before then. When David's already smiling, we'll be heading back to 1991.
4: Yeah, I can can do that one on my own. Sorry, you can (laughs) have a day
2: off. (laughs) Jim Courier time. Um, So let's head to Lyon. Now, where we had a title for Stefanos Tsitsipas, he beat Cam Norrie in the final. Let's just go back before we deal with the final to Cam Norrie's win over Dominic Team 6-3, 6-2. I mean, look, a great win for Cam Norrie. I'm, I'm going to repeat myself now, but he's somebody else that, look, his ceiling is is lower than Caspar than Rood's, I think. But he's somebody that's doing a Kasper Ruud in that there are going to be players with a level to beat him. Stefanos Tsitsipas was absolutely that player yesterday in the final, but he will produce his level. He will produce his ceiling, I think. Yeah. Um, Particularly on clay at the moment. He just seems so hardened and, and match tough on the surface. And he just, just showing up week in, week out. It's really admirable stuff from Cam Norrie. Yeah.
4: It's quite, quite simple, really. You, you you need to be a better player than Norrie and you need to turn up because if you don't turn up, he will be there to take you out. And I also think that he is believing in himself more with all these wins that are coming and mm. and not just regarding himself as a guy who has got onto the main tour and can play a couple of rounds. I mean, that two finals. Two finals on good clay court tournaments with draws in Estoril and now Leon And yes, a surprise. I mean, You'll have to tell me about six three six two against Dominic Team. I didn't watch that match, and and but that is really alarming. I mean, uh, well played, Cam Norrie, right? But what is going on there? Dominic Team losing six three six two early on like that.
3: Yeah, so I saw most of this match. Um, Cam Norrie was everything you would expect him to be, and I, I really am conscious of trying not to do Cameron Norrie a disservice when we talk about him because he's more than just a solid tennis player who pulls his weight. You know, he's, he's top 50 in the world. He's a, he's a brilliant tennis player. And he consistently has wins against players ranked higher than him. In fact, his, his hardest-fought win all week was, was against the French qualifier outside of the top 100. But having said all that, Dominic team was really bad. The forehand was all over the place. And I'm a bit confused about Dominic Team. I I picked him to win the title because I mean partly because we were going to get decent points for team this week and when are you going to get so many points for Dominic Team to win a clay court two fifty? I thought it's something to take advantage of.
2: You're awfully strategic about your predictions, Matt. I just look and go Caspar <laughs> he's yeah, he's quite good. There
3: go. I would say I would say there's something to be said that I'm doing better than you Catherine but we're both at the <laughs> bottom so neither so neither <laughs> neither technique works
4: <laughs> that really hurts stop making me
0: laugh stop making David Sorry. laugh
3: um back on track Dominic team what i think is that what's confusing is team has identified the problem he's spoken openly and he's said how much he enjoyed the rest and how much he struggled to come to terms with the motivation after being a Grand Slam champion. And in in my mind, I've read those quotes from Team, and I've thought, right, he's identified the problem, he's back on track, here we go, he's going to build up his form on clay, he's a French Open contender, of course he is. And that was all heightened by the decent form he showed in Madrid. But I suppose identifying the problem and solving the problem are not the same things. And it's good that he's self-aware and reflective and has talked about the situation he finds himself in, but it strikes me that he still hasn't figured it out. His his Tennis is not where he wants it to be. He isn't the player he wants to be at the moment. Just because he's recognised the reasons why doesn't mean he's solved them, I think, is where I fall with Dominic Team, And he's still playing like he was at the start of the year. Um, It's possible that it will come back during Roland Garros, but the way he was talking... After that loss to Norrie, he said himself, this is a big step back. It suggests that perhaps not, perhaps he needs more time. His form is nowhere near where he needs it to be. Mm. Yeah, Rowling Garros might be
4: what helps play him back in. Could be. If, if, if anything. Well, he's Actually, relying on that if, now.
2: If, if he gets the draw yeah. that he needs to, to give him the time to play himself back in. Sitsipas
4: but... feels like Dominic Team to me. You know, when I mm. feel like the, the pecking order on clay... And even just generally at the top of the men's game, it feels like Sitsabas has just replaced Team in terms of the mm. position of the threat to the the big biggest guys. Mm. Hmm.
2: How good was Sitsipas, uh in the final? Uh, yesterday?
4: He was he was really good, and he, uh, uh, that was the classic Cameron Norrie just not being as good as the other guy, and the mm. other guy totally on on the ball, and Sitsabas. Stepped up and dismissed him six three six, three. He didn't smash him, but he just fairly routinely took care of him and uh i I always look at sit and think God, he plays so much. Is there a point at which he's just gotta reduce his workload a little bit, but he seems so fit and match tough and rarely seems he never seems to look tired or anything like that. He looks just a cracking athlete and I think he is right where he wants to be.
2: Well, he is taking this week off, David. He is not playing the Ultimate Tennis Showdown
4: this week. Bit of a diss, no. isn't it, to old Patrick He is a bit
2: of a diss. I mean, he's played an awful lot of tennis. Shall I tell you who is playing the Ultimate Tennis Showdown this week? Shall I tell you via their, their nicknames? And you can see if you can identify who the player is from the nickname. Go on then. Who might the Tornado be? If you get this, then it's really good going. It's Korintan Mute. I've no idea why he's called the t- Tornado. <laughs> who might the Hotshot be?
4: I mean, you know who's Pablo Reyes, about, about thirty-five. It's, people? it's
2: inexplicably Taylor Fritz. Uh, who might L Tank be? Bernard Tomic. <laughs> it's oh! Christian Gareen,
3: <laughs> different sort of tank, I think, David. Who is it?
2: Uh, Christian Gareen.
4: Oh. I, I thought that might have been Bernard Tomick <laughs> uh, doing I've, a sort of I've, like I've, gag. I've got, a
2: gi- I've, I've got a gimme for you here. Grigor. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: thanks, Grigor, for helping us out.
2: I, uh, I, in the story, in my mind, Griggle's refused to have a NAF nickname, and I respect him for that. Who's El Peck?
3: Oh, that's Schwartzman. Peck. And what
2: is what is a pe What is a Peck A?
3: It means small in Spanish. <laughs> but that's his the, nickname the anyway. Small. The small. He calls Lovely. himself that.
2: Okay, here's one for you The Bublik Enemy. Oh God! <laughs> Do you see what they've done there? <laughs> um, the Chess Master. I
4: d- I, d- I haven't got. <laughs> I have no. I have no thoughts.
2: Daniil Medvedev.
4: Right. Huh? D- the, does yeah. the player think of this stuff? I think the. Pl- is uh, right? I don't
2: know. And um, F- Fogner.
4: Fanini. Vanini.
2: Yeah. Yep. Which confuses me because I thought you're not supposed to pronounce the G in Fanini, but presumably in Fogner you do pronounce the G, otherwise it's Fonner and that's not fun. Anyway, there we go. That's on this week. May 24th. Sit a pass not playing. Um... What else have we had happen this week? I, I, whilst we were on uh, Palmer, I forgot to mention Serena Williams' loss in her opening match to Katerina Siniakova. It did free her up to attend the uh, Monaco Grand Prix yesterday and wave the checkered flag, showing off her showing off her guns, great deltoid muscles, which is <laughs> something I was complimented on whilst receiving my COVID vaccine yesterday. Um, <laughs> you were uh, chuffed, weren't you? In, Oh, so <laughs> chuffed, yeah. Um, I'm sure the nurse says that to everyone. Um, in oh, That's pudding. really
4: cool that she got to wave the Chekhov flag. I didn't know she got... I, I knew she was there, but mm. that's, wow, that's really
2: cool. Yes, I think she thought it was as well. Uh, Danil Medvedev was also at the Grand Prix. I mean, so many of them live in Monte Carlo, don't they? What did he get to nice, wave? Good. Nothing. He, just, he was dressed up as a sort of... Um, Chess master? Like old, old-fashioned... Boy going to church, I thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's, what does one of them dress like? I don't know. He had like a sort of side parting. Um, he looked very clean cut. Wasn't he wearing all white? Yeah. Oh,
3: was it corporate Medvedev? That's
2: my He's, least favorite Medvedev. It was. It was. It looked very cool. Mm. I, I don't believe that's what he wears it's in his, his, his free time. It's his
4: least favorite Medvedev as well. Mm. But you know, you, if you want to, if you want to keep the the notes rolling in, you, you do a bit of um, that as well, I suppose. <laughs> yeah.
2: Full disclosure on uh, Serena Williams. Matt and I were watching Federer, and in tennis shoots itself in the foot news. Those two matches were not at the same time, um, so we weren't able to watch Serena Williams live. I think, I think we've both read bits and bobs about that that performance, uh, sort of similar to Federer, not like not alarming, but not where she needs to be. I think would would be what I take from what I've read on it, Matt.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, she she won a match before that, didn't she? She beat a oh. seven, seventeen-year-old wildcard, I think, Italian wildcard. There was a nice moment afterwards where they had a they had a photo together. So she, this was her second match in Parma.
2: Oh, that passed me by, Matt.
3: <laughs> but still, I think I think your analysis stands up. Um, <laughs> what I read was that she lost fifteen points in a row in the middle of the second set and. Wow. Sixteen of the Another last, anti-surge. sixteen of the last, eighteen in the match. So it was, it was similar again to Federer in that respect. I mean, Siniarov is dangerous. She, she, she can beat a lot of top players. She has done that. It's, it's a trickier match than Federer's, I would say, against Anduha. I'm really nervous about saying that name
4: now. One of the issues they have here now, in terms of Serena Williams, I mean, Federer has his own, but I kind of feel like because it's best of five sets. And I think there are fewer really difficult draws in men's tennis right now for him than there are for the women. So yeah. mm. normally I would think, well, Serena Williams is good enough to just play her way in. A day off every other match, she could draw so many players that are dangerous right mm. now, and and that it could she could just come unstuck immediately.
2: Mm. Agreed. Would
3: yeah. it be fair to say that? Hang on, no. I haven't, I haven't thought this through properly. I think if Wimbledon were best of three for the men, Federer would be more likely to lose early, but also more likely to win the tournament.
2: Correct. Yes, but I, th- I entirely agree with that.
3: Weirdly. But I think with Serena, if it were best of five, maybe that would help her in the latter stages where we've seen her had some slow yes. starts. In finals yes. and big matches recently, I don't what, know. I what you're saying is both
4: Federer and Serena need the anti what we've been proposing for the last several years. I. they need it to be best of five sets until the quarterfinals, and then for it to go best of three sets, and then the most might. No, well, no Federer needs for Federa, that for Federer, but I think
3: oh. Serena needs
2: needs what we've been proposing. What, what
3: we've been proposing
4: doesn't she need best of three all the way, uh, five all? Well, maybe the way she through? needs best
3: of five all the way. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Yeah.
4: I don't think we can organise that in time, folks. No. So just, you know, and we're, we're not biased pointless anyway. Thought,
2: um, <laughs> we got tournaments this week in Belgrade. Djokovic is the top seed there. Monfils is the second seed. Oh, a shout out to Monfils. He won. He won a match. Oh. First time
3: he's, he's, he's won since COVID.
2: Since COVID. Goodness me. Mm. Wow. I'm trying
3: to think who he beat. Um, Sabot Wild,
2: Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I believe he's he's done some fun interview content. I haven't watched any of it, but Twitter has been alerting me to some fun content involving Guillemot. Didn't he get a tennis, Friest, tennis ball in
4: the privates back. from Roger Federer? Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, that happened, yeah. Okay. That was
3: Federer joining in with Gem's life.
2: Oh, third wheeling. Uh, Palmer <laughs> has a men's event this week. Sonago is the top seed there. Benoit Paire is the second seed and the WTA is an event in Strasbourg where Bianca Andreescu is the top seed Jessica Pagula um, the second seed and there's no buys in that tournament which is which is what we like to see. Uh, just wanted to mention that Tanasi Kokonakis won a Challenger title this week in Biella, which seems to just be permanently hosting <laughs> Challenger events. Was that Biella 8 or something? <laughs> yeah, when was the last week when Biella wasn't hosting a Challenger <laughs> event? <laughs>
4: That's great, isn't it?
2: And the Challenger tour has just stationed itself in, in Biella, um, which, is, which is fine, seems like a good idea. Um, and he's now going into Roland Garros qualities and I know we shouldn't be biased but I hope he qualifies yeah um because I just I just wish him well and yeah it's good to see him just clocking up wins and grinding it out and building hopefully some confidence in his tennis and in his body mm-hmm. um so that's an uplifting story the one big story that we haven't yet covered is that Indian Wells is confirmed to take place in 2021, it will be in October. The exact dates are still TBC um, because they need to work around other calendar dates, um, you know, the, the WTA finals, those sorts of things that, that the tours haven't yet set. So there's still some moving chess pieces, um, but it'll happen. And that's just great, isn't it? Yeah. That's just, and uh, yeah. It, and it looks like they intend it to happen with with crowds, with full prize money, mm. which is massive at the moment. That's really massive. I, th- My prediction is that that will feel like a Grand Slam, it, more so than Indian Wells ever has. I think the prize money thing is really big.
4: Well, I think the prize money thing is big. I, I suppose it depends what the rest of the tour looks like. Um, at that time and, and i'm trying to figure out the dates as well because we don't know what the rest of whether the asian swing will happen or in what way it will happen and i'm also just curious about the the the, the, the movement of travel for players that they'll have the u.s open for some of the male players there'll be the labor cup in the states won't there and what I mean? Do they just stay in the states and hang on for Indian Wells? You know, there's there are those elements. So, so it, it'll just be a great fascination. I mean, I'm I'm not sure I share your your optimism about quite how strong it will be um in terms of the very top players. But we'll see. This is a uncomfortable role reversal, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? Just
2: oh, okay. Where, where's your optimism? Optimism at Matt.
3: I'd better. Maintain some normality and be in the middle. (laughs) No, it's great. I was I was delighted that Indian Wells is going to happen this year. That's you know the 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 first event to be hit by COVID, Mm. and it's finally going to be coming back. I think. I just think that alone does feel symbolic.
2: Kind of the first major sporting event to to Mm. fall. Um, Yeah, if only my bag was still packed. Um, So that's it for your tennis news for this week. We'll be back, as I said, with our Roland Garros preview at the end of the week. We've got our next Tennis Relived on Thursday. Frankly, refresh your podcast app every day uh, from now on because, or certainly from Thursday on, uh, because we just won't be able to stop podcasting. Um, We'll have our mascots, each of us throughout. The, they're with us through thick and thin. There's a lot of thin. <laughs> um, mine is Zeus with thanks to Kasparud. Mine's
4: Rogan is eyeballing me very closely at the moment for some of my choices. <laughs> but um, anyway, th- thanks Rogue generally.
3: And mine's Scousel Mousel. And we're, we're having a tough patch at the moment, but mm. back on track soon, hopefully.
2: Matt and Scousel Mousel, the strategic predictors. Uh Billie Jean's uh sponsor is Billie Jean King. Actual words I get to say every week. Um and she'll be furious uh to know that Rosie is our mascot for this week. Hello Rosie. Hello Rosie. <laughs> Hello, Rosie. Um,
4: Rosie's Catherine's parents' dog and is just the most beautiful dog. And it's been a book She's lovely been a bit put out lately. By... No,
2: she's not. She's she's really embraced Billie Jean. She's Has really she? embraced her big sister role. Yeah.
4: I've seen a lot of cold yeah. shouldering it's, going it's on. It's lovely.
2: <laughs> no, it started off with a bit of cold shouldering because, you know, Billie Jean's a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> she, <in his> <laughs> she doesn't. She Billie Jean just didn't take no for an answer and forced Rosie to be friends with her. <laughs> um, Matt, who are our shout outs for this week?
3: They are for Elizabeth Germino. Right, Elizabeth. Oh,
2: hello, Elizabeth. The name of our queen. Indeed.
3: Alan Chalmers. Oh, Alan. Alan Alan Chalmers. Alan owns
2: Alan
4: owns the tennis bookshop. He does. uh, uh, I mean, and it's an amazing business he's got. uh, Mm. Selling. I mean, why didn't we think of getting in touch with him about Susan Longland? Oh well. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, we had Matt. Uh, But anyway, Uh, Alan, thank you for your support.
2: Yeah, thanks for your support, Alan.
4: And finally, Paul
3: Bullock. All
4: right, Paul.
2: Hello, Paul.
3: Who emailed me to say when he gets his shout out, please mention that he's a big Bruce Springsteen fan. So, oh, great
2: oh, hello, stuff.
3: Paul. You can come again, Paul. New,
2: new Springsteen music apparently on the horizon.
3: Apparently. Mm. 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 He buried that lead in an interview.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we we wait with bated breath. On that bombshell, I'll leave you. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday with Tennis Relived 1991. Just three days to wait, David. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Leave us an Apple Podcasts review. Do all the things that David usually remembers to tell you and I forget. And we'll speak to you on Thursday.
1: it.